Hey, good morning. Uh, you ever have one of those days, right? Even when you're trying to do something well, it just doesn't go according to plan. Well, hey, we're in a series, and we're talking about how to make next time better than last time. How can we ensure the next time won't be like last time? And I'm giving you some tools. Today's part three, and uh, next week we'll finish up the series. But I'm excited for this uh, the series. So far, I've had a lot of good feedback. People saying I can relate. I, I get. I get this. I understand. Because um, no matter where you're at in life, there's some point that you're trying to start over. Whether you have last week just was horrible, and you have a new week today, right? Sunday's the start of a new week, and we start our day off by part of why we gather on Sundays is to start our week off by saying God will put you first. Uh, but it's a great way to start a new week, right? Maybe it's a new transition and a job uh, or a relationship. Whatever it is, maybe you're going through something in life and there's a, there's a chance to start over. And so we're saying, what would it take to make next time better than last time? If we don't like the results, what would that look like to be sure that next time is going to be better uh, than, we, than the previous time? And so we're giving some tools. So I just want to say welcome all those tuning in on our fa- uh, Facebook or uh, podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. And uh, everybody in the theater, thanks for coming for our uh, 9 o'clock service. I love this service. It's so, so good uh, to be able to have this option uh, for us as a, as a community. And uh, it's just good. So thanks for coming today. Um, we're we're um, going to go into this part three, and I'm going to just review a little bit. So you can catch up. You can go back and, and listen to the, to the podcast and, and hear the other two messages. Um, but essentially, the last one we ended off with is, is to give some tools to us. It says if you're going to have a better next time than last time, one thing you have to do is own it. And that was the last, the last message we did, part two, is owning it. And we talked about what it, what it is to own it because here's what happens. If we don't learn from our past, we repeat it. History is repeated over and over when people don't stop enough to say, why, what was I thinking? Why didn't I learn from that? Um, and it just repeats. So if we don't ever learn from history, it just, it'll tend to repeat itself in our lives. And so we said part of having a better future is to own our part, our piece of the pie. And so I would encourage you, that was probably a really important message in, in, in the series. If you missed it, go listen to it because it can give you a t- some tools to say, all right, what is, what is my part in here? Because uh, if you skip that, you will most likely keep repeating what you've been doing because you don't ever take time to own it. What happens is we tend to drag um, our past into the future with us. So we, we drag the, uh, we blame blame our way into the future. We try to uh, make a better future, but because we don't deal with it, we never have freedom from it. And so we said, what would this look like if we if we owned it? Instead of giving excuses, instead of blaming others, what if we said, okay, what's my part in this? And sometimes that's just a small part, but if you own that, you'll be able to move forward. And so today, uh, we're going to be talking about the next next part of this is, is you need to figure out is how to rethink it. Uh, so if you want to make sure the next time can be better than the last time, you have to learn to rethink, uh, rethink it. And in fact, the first week I gave, we talked about some different myths that people believe. And I said, really, we ask the most intuitive question, the best question we could ever ask in life when we, when we go through something difficult, a failure, something that's wrong that didn't work out. We, we tend to ask it intuitively. Like we, we typically are saying like, you know, what was I thinking? Right? That's like the, the question we ask ourselves. Here's the problem. It's a great question. It's the right question. But too many people move on without really answering it. All they say is, what was I thinking? And then instead of answering the question, they just move on to the next choice, the next relationship, the next job, the next whatever. You fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're going on to. And because they don't stop blocking long enough to say, what was I thinking, really? Like, what was going on here? And so today we're going to talk about that. This is one of those questions that if we don't get it, if we don't pause long enough, we'll keep repeating and having the same results over and over um, and it'll never, never improve. Because the truth is, even for us, right, when we ask that question, like, what was I thinking? Or sometimes other people ask you, like, what were you thinking? Um, even our own decisions don't make sense to us sometimes, right? We're like, if somebody asks you, like, what were you thinking in that relationship? You're like, I don't know what I was thinking. And that's the problem. A lot of times we aren't thinking, we're feeling. 
We're filling our ways into decisions. We're, we're going with whatever feels right. We're going with, with the emotion. We're going with what, whatever the opportunity uh, presents itself. We just move with it, and, and we don't think about it sometimes. And that's the problem, is, is we really don't know what we're thinking. And so we need to ask the question, okay, what was I really thinking? Why do I keep repeating this over and over? Why do we have the same arguments, the same fights? Why do we keep doing these things over and over? Why does it seem like everybody in my job, everybody that I work with is, is always, you know, the, the reason to, 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 to uh, have find fault and, and everybody's to blame and everybody has problems, right? It's like, well, where, when am I going to learn from this? And uh, we have to learn to, to be able to say, all right, what, what's my role? What am I going to do? But what, really, what was I thinking? Um, and, and we have to be able to stop and say, okay, before I jump back into the next thing, before I jump into the next relationship, the next job, I mean, I need to pause and I need to say, really, what was I thinking? Really? Because here's the truth. If you think the way you used to think, you will do the things you used to do. You know, the same thought process that got you into the, your current situation is not going to change your future situation. It's going to keep you in that same situation. So if you like where you're at, that you probably have some good thought processes that are helping you be healthy. But if you don't, there's something that's going on that the thought, thought process that we have when it comes to relationships, when it comes to work, when it comes to different parts of our life that are getting us into these situations we don't like, it's because we have the same thoughts that we've had in the past, and we just keep taking it with us into the future everywhere we go. Um, so it's, it's, it's where we have to say, right, what, what's going on here? And here's the good news. See, I'm going to give you probably the best verse I can give you in the Bible when it comes to figuring out how to start over in a better way. Uh, and it comes from a man in the Bible who understood what it is like to start over. Uh, in fact, uh, this man, he hated Christians so much that he had them imprisoned, imprisoned, and he and you would have them killed and uh, um, killed for their for their faith. Uh, and he he was zealous. He he thought he was on the right team. Uh, and there's this moment where you know as he's writing, he regrets his past. But he has this moment where he has to start over, a redo, and he has to start this new journey. And the Apostle Paul tells us throughout, his, throughout the books that he wrote and the letters he wrote to the churches of, of how he had to have this start over. And so he, he understands this in life, that when you've done something in the past that doesn't work, what's it going to take to do it right the next time? And Paul got it. Paul understood what it was like to say, all right, this didn't work. How am I going to be able to, to, to live in a way that will help me to be able to do this? So two, over 2,000 years ago, Paul gave Gave us tools, gave the world tools to figure out how to live the best life we could possibly live. Um, and he's following Jesus' example. He's, he's, he's listening to his teachings. He's, he's taking the, the, the scripture, the Bible, and he, he's, he's teaching us how to live this out uh, from day to day and moment to moment. And so here's, here's what, what Paul tells us in, in Romans 12, uh, 12, 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. And when you're in the Bible, whenever you're reading and you get to this place that says, therefore, you always have to ask yourself, okay, what is this here for? Like, what did he say, Therefore. Because he's saying something before this, and now he's going to kind of say, because of everything I just said, make sure you don't miss this part. And he, he, he takes this moment to really say, there's something more here. Don't miss it. And so I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul is saying this. So he's talking to a culture that understands animal sacrifice, in some cases human sacrifice, and, and they, they understand what, it, what it's like to offer a sacrifice to the gods or to God uh, and when it came to the Jewish people. And he's saying, all right, so you get this part, but he's saying, I'm, it's, it's better, there's something more. God wants something more than just that. He doesn't just sacrifice his animals. He wants something more. He actually wants your life to be different. He wants you to, to be a living sacrifice, which is kind of, this would be a unique um, a phrase because he's saying instead of killing something, you're actually going to live for something more. And he's saying, so in view of God's mercy, offer your lives, your bodies, as living sacrifices. This is a, this is a reasonable thing. This is something that, that we should be able to do for God as, as he leads us in this journey. Um, and, and one of the things he says is, is his brothers and sisters. So notice when he says brothers and sisters, who he's talking to. 
Um, he's not talking to your neighbor who doesn't want anything to do with God. He's talking to those people who say, all right, if you're following Christ, you're my brother, you're my sister, so pay attention to this. So essentially he's saying, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, you're on the hook for what I'm about to say. And if you're not, you could take, and you could take what you want, you can do with what you want with it. But if you're a Christian, this is one of those things that he's saying, hey, don't miss this. Brothers and sisters, don't, don't miss this. Now, if you're outside of the faith, you don't believe, whatever, there's some tools here that will help you to understand life, help you get better, to not repeat the, the past so you can have a better future. And these tools will help. But really he's saying, all right, if you're a Christ follower, don't miss this because it's going to help you to make sure you don't have the same repeat of, of the past so you can move into the future. Um, and, and what he's saying is it, it, this is going to be one of those things that you have to continually do. A living sacrifice means it takes, it takes surrender. It takes uh, work to stay doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? It's, it's, it's a daily process of saying, all right, how, how do I figure this out? And then he gives us some tools of how to do this. So he says, all right, so this is what you do. If you want to be a living sacrifice, if you want to live a life that's different from everybody else, which, get, which God calls us to, you have to, you have to begin to do something a little differently. And he says it like this. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. So he's saying, don't just go with the flow. Um, don't, don't live like everybody else lives. You know, when, you, when we look at the average, the stats, you know, the statistics throughout our country when it comes to marriage, when it comes to jobs, we just did a series on, on the workplace, right, how majority of people don't even like their jobs. So when it comes to the, the average, if you want to be average, just go with the flow and follow everybody else, do whatever they do, you'll get the same results they're getting. But if you want better results, if you don't want those results, then somewhere down the, down the line you have to say, okay, if I'm going to get different results, I have to do something different than whatever else is doing. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying don't, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't, don't just go with the flow. You know, a river that's flowing, that's, that's kind of like culture. You know, you throw a stick into the river, it, the stick's going to go with the river, Right? And so in our culture, there's cultures going a specific way. And a lot of times it is away from God. It is away from his things. Um, not always, but a lot of times it is. And if we just go with the flow and just jump in that, we're going to just float along with everybody else. And we'll get the same results everybody else gets when it comes to parenting and when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships. So if you want something different, Paul is saying don't conform. Don't conform just to the pattern. Don't, don't just fit in without even thinking about it. Use, use your way to, to, to identify patterns and what's going on and say, all right, I want something different. That means I have to think differently than everybody else is thinking. I have to begin to look differently. So he says this, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed. So essentially, he's saying there's something different here, all right? This is going to take some effort for you to figure out. It doesn't just happen overnight. Being transformed is, is a process. It doesn't just all of a sudden you, you, you say, I'm going to be different, and you change. No, it's a process that takes, takes time to get there um, and, and to, to work on this. So he's, he's, and this is, this is part of, I think, um, um, one of the things that, that people miss a lot of times when it comes to saying, I'm not going to repeat the past, I'm going to do something different, but they don't ever change anything. They just, they just speak it out like that's going to be all they need is, okay, I'm no longer going to do that, I'm going to do this now. But they don't change the way they think, they don't change the, the people they hang out with, they don't change anything in their life except a statement. And statements don't, don't, they're not going to lead us into a better future. A promise is not going to lead us into a better future. Hoping to have a better future is not going to be enough. There has to be something more. And Paul's saying you have to be transformed. So essentially he's saying this. You have two choices, all right? You could be like this guy. You could fit in with the world, you know, just a, a, just a cookie cutter. You just you go along and you stamp it out. You know, it's, it's every, everyone looks the same. When you, when you have a little uh, cookie cutter and you, you make these cookies, every cookie looks the same. Why? Because they're all using the same pattern, right? So you can be like this or you could be like this which he's saying like a transformer, right? You have, you have to be transformed. There's, there takes something in your life to, to, to change something in, in what you're doing. You can't stay the same. You have to change. 
You can't stay the same. You have to change. You can't just go with the flow and just, just so you fit in. You have to learn to say, all right, if I'm going to have better results, I need to change something in my life. So he says, don't conform, but be transformed. And he goes on and says this, by the renewing of your mind. So he gives us the how. This is how he says it. So this is how you're going to change, make sure that next time is, is better than the last time was. Well, you have to be able to renew your mind. Renew your mind. And here's, here's what renew means. Renew just means restore. You have, to have, you have to go from where you were to this better place, to, to something that's better, something that's newer. Um, if you want to transform, it's, it's, it's going to, renewing something takes time. Restoring something takes time. You know, when it comes to furniture, when it comes to cars, if, if, if you want to give your, your car a new paint job, right, you don't just get paint put on top of the old. Why not? Because um, it, won't, it won't turn out very good. You can't get old, old furniture or, or a wall. Right? You're painting a wall in your house. If, if, it's, if it's cracking and it's not doing well, there takes some work to prepare that to make sure that the next, the next quote's going to be better. And a lot of times you have to actually take off the old before you put on the new. So when it comes to furniture, if you don't take off and stand down and get it ready, no matter what you do to the new stuff, no matter how nice it looks, it's not going to last. Why? Because what happens when you put on the new before taking off the old? The new just peels off, right? And, and with paint, and, and this same thing happens in our lives. When, when you're facing something in life, you say, I don't want those results. I'm going to do something new. We jump in like, okay, new relationship, a new job. But we don't do anything to change the way we're thinking. All what's going to happen is the new is just going to peel off, and we're going to get the same exact results. And be like, huh, I thought this person was going to be different than that person. I thought this job was going to be different than that job. I thought this this reality in my life was going to be different than last time. Why is it the same results? Why do I continue to have the same results? Because we didn't stop and ask the question, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? That was a problem. We weren't thinking clearly. We weren't thinking right. We were filling ourselves into these choices. We were filling the emotion, right? We give into the, into the temptation to buy the things that, that we, we shouldn't have bought. Um, and we get into debt. We get, we get debt load on that we, we can't handle. And, and because we weren't thinking, we were filling. We were wanting it. Um, and because we didn't take off the old and take time to think about it and say, okay, that didn't work. I need to have a new way of thinking about things. All we do is we move into the next thing with the same thoughts, and we're going to get the same results that we just got the past. So here's what Paul's saying. You have to learn to be able to take off the old so you can put on the new. That's what being, a trans, being transformed by the new in your mind means, is you're saying, all right, God, I need a new way of about thinking of life. I need, I need a new way of thinking about Mondays. I need a new way of thinking about my job, my, my relationships. Help me to see it differently than I see. Because if we don't, we'll just keep thinking the same way we've been thinking, and we'll keep getting the same results that we've been getting. So you have to take off the, the old so you can put on the new. Otherwise, it just peels off and it goes away. But here's the thing. A lot of people don't do this, and the reason they don't do this is because renewing something, it takes time. And a lot of times it takes a lot of time, and it takes work. And a lot of people don't want to put in the time, and they don't want to put in the work, so all they do is say, okay, it's going to be better than last time. Let's just go for it. New relationship, new job, whatever. And they don't take time to figure out what, exactly why it didn't work, so they go into the next season of life doing the exact same thing. So I would say this. Don't rush ahead. If, if, you, didn't, if you just got out of a season and it didn't work, don't just jump into the next season. Like, take time. Pause. Breathe a little bit and say, all right, what was I thinking? And then get people around you and say, please give me some feedback. Please help me on this, on this journey to figure out why didn't it work. And a lot of times when we begin to do that, we ask God, we ask others. He'll begin to show us, all right, this is the old way of thinking. This, was not, this didn't work. So you have to change something or you're going to keep getting the same results. And we have people in our, in our world who go from relationship to relationship to relationship, hoping the next one's going to be different than the last. But it's not. 
because they keep choosing the same way they chose last time. And they keep jumping in to the next one because of feelings, because of emotions, because of fear. All these things that drive that of saying, I, I have to go into this or, or, or what's going to happen to me or what else. Um, and they just move into it. So, so renewal, it takes time. And the first week we said, what? Time is your friend. It's not your enemy, right? And so if you understand that, time is your friend, uh, especially if, like if you date a lot. Like, don't just go in the next relationship. In fact, take like a year off before you jump into the next relationship because you have to figure out exactly why your relationships aren't working before you jump into the next. But too many people don't do that. They just jump in when it comes to different parts of our life. Um, so don't, don't rush into the next. Take time to say, what exactly was I thinking? Why, why, what do I need to change um, to, to do this? So he says, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's saying, Renew your mind. Take time to take off the old so you can put on the new. Take off the old so you can put on the new. Take time to do this. Otherwise, you'll keep getting the same results. And then he says, if you do this, then he gives us some, some more uh, tools, way, way to think about this, about life. He says, if you do this, then, then he says, there's going to be some results. If you will take time to figure out what's going on, you take off the old before you put on the new, then this is what's going to happen. You're, there's going to be an outcome. There's going to be something that helps us to, to, to be able to see life better. And he says this, then you'll be able to test and approve. So when you ask the question, what was I thinking? And you don't rush forward. You really stop and say, what was I thinking really? What was I really thinking here? Why didn't that work? You know, this last week, maybe you had a, an, um, a conversation that didn't go well. And, and, it, and maybe this is a repeat pattern in your life when it comes to work and other employees or other people, coworkers. Uh, maybe it's in marriage and just things aren't working. You have this repeat of these conversations. Well, if you don't stop and say, what was I thinking really? What's going on here? Then you're going to just keep having those conversations. But he's saying, if you'll do this, if you'll take time to say, what was I really thinking and, and put off the old so you can put on the new, then what's going to happen is you're going to be able to test and approve. And this is part of that time process. It, it takes time to figure out, to test and be able to prove what, what's right, what's next. But he goes on and says, not just your life, what's gonna, you're going to be testing to prove, but you're going to test and approve God's will, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. So if you'll take time to take off the old so you can put on the new, and you ask, answer the question, what was I thinking? Something's great is going to happen. You're not just going to be able to have better results in your life. You're actually going to be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. And I think everybody in this room would say, man, I would really like to know my purpose in life. I'd really like to know why God created me. Well, this takes time, and it takes us saying, God, I need help thinking differently. I need help renewing my mind so that I can, I can think, I can rethink what I was thinking last time so I can have a better future. And God says, yes, I can work with somebody like that because you're willing to ask for help. You're willing to say, I need help. You ask for more of what he has for you. And he says, so you can test and prove what well, God, and it says good. It's a pleasing and it's his perfect, perfect will. This is why Sundays are so important. This is why we do Sunday mornings. Like, well, we come to church because at some point we're going to be challenged to do something differently. And, and hopefully God's going to speak to you something that says, hey, that way you're thinking last week, that didn't really work. You need to do something different this week. What you've been struggling with your whole life, like at some point you have to deal with that so you could not struggle with it in the future. And Sundays are important because God is reminding us, hey, you need to think differently. Don't forget. Because if you're like me, you know, Monday through Friday through Saturday, I begin to think a little differently than I did on Sunday. I, I get refocused again, and then throughout the week, everything gets busy, right? The pressure's on for the week. And by the end of the week, you're like, man, I'm, I'm all about the money. I'm all about these other things. I'm all about getting things done. And Sunday's to refocus us and say, hey, hey don't miss it. Let's, let's get back on track. Let's keep going and keep doing what we're doing. This is why, this is why reading your Bible is important. Renewing your mind, it takes time. And what you're doing, you're saying, okay, if I keep thinking like everybody else thinks in this world, I'm going to get the same results. And obviously, sometimes we don't want the results. 
And so I need to think differently. Well, when you begin to read the Bible, you begin to say, God, show me how to think differently. All right, in your word, what is this? And you read the Proverbs, and they begin to tell you how a wise person thinks. And you say, okay, I need to think like that. And they tell you how a foolish person thinks. And you say, I can't think like that. This tells you what a wise person says and what a foolish person says. And you begin to read the, the, the Bible, and you begin to say, okay, God is helping me to, to rewire the way I'm thinking. He's helping me to see differently than I was seeing before. And, and this is why that's important. This is why groups are so important. We do small groups um, throughout the year because we know that when we're in a relationship, other people can encourage us and help us. In fact, uh, one of the groups I'm in this last week, uh, there's a couple in our group. They said, man, I love so group so much. It's like in the middle of the week, it helps me to, to, to refocus and remember what I'm doing. It helps to give me like that, that boost in the arm to keep going. And it has, has other people around me that can encourage me and pray for me and help me. Sometimes even to say, hey, that wasn't, you're not thinking very clearly there. Like, what were you thinking? I don't know. Help me out. Okay, you weren't thinking. That's the problem. So here, next time, do, do this. And we get people around us that can help us on this journey. And so God, God is saying, if, if you will take time, Paul is saying, if you'll take time to take off the old so you can put on the new, you'll begin to see better results with your life. Because here's the, here's the deal. When it comes to looking at our past and saying, that's not working, how do I fix it, what do I do? Regret and, and resolve are not enough to get you into a better future. Just regretting about it, like, oh, man, I don't like that, but I'm going to do better this time. That is not enough for us to get into a better future. The reason is because you need time. Just because you regret and just because you hope or just you resolve to do something better doesn't mean it's going to happen unless you take time to say, what was I thinking? How can I get different results and better results? Because the truth is, if you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things you used to do. And, and, and for us, it's, 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 we just want to move forward. We keep thinking that way. We keep getting the same results. And God is saying, would you do something different? Because here's the thing. If we begin to, uh, uh, if we change our internal truth, then our external responses will be different. So you have to be able to change in our internal truth will change our external responses. If you begin to think differently, you'll begin to see different results in your life. And that's what Paul's saying. If you learn to think differently about these situations, you'll actually see different results. But as long as you keep thinking the way you're thinking, you'll keep getting the same results you've been getting. So here I'm going to give you seven lethal assumptions. These are seven lethal thoughts that we tell ourselves, um, and that, that many of us tell ourselves, and um, our culture tells ourselves. And, and the problem is we begin to believe these, these, these thoughts, and they actually are lethal. When I say lethal, like they lead to death in relationships, and they lead to death in our bank account, and they lead to death in our, in our workplace because we begin to believe things that aren't true. And that's why they're lethal assumptions and lethal thoughts. So the first one is this. Number one is this. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. So if you're single here and you're thinking, or maybe you're married, or maybe you're like thinking, man, this is just not the right person. If I had the right person, maybe you're an employee, employee, employer and you're saying, this, these employees aren't the right people, but I just had these people, right? We begin to think like, if I just find the right person, then everything is going to be all right. Man, if I find the right person, then, I'm gonna, then, then I'll be, but here's the problem. Um, it's not true. Because if you become the right person, then everything's going to be all right. See, because if, if you become, if the person you're looking for right now, the right person, they're not looking for you because you're most likely not the right person. Because if you were, they would have found you. It would have worked out. So be the right person for that person. So, so be the right person for the, the person you're looking for, and eventually they will find you. It's like you have to become that person. You don't just hope to find that, and all of a sudden it's going to change. Because you're the same person, and if you just left a bad relationship, and you're hoping the next one's going to be better, but you don't change anything, you're going to have the same results. And so we, we tend to think, if I just find that right person, then everything is going to be all right. That's not true. And the goal is that you become the right person so that the person you're looking for 
you'll be the person that they're looking for also. And God challenges us, would you do something different with your life? So that's the first lethal assumption, is it's always about somebody else. That's not true. The second one is this, my situation is unique. My situation is unique. And that is not true, all right? You're unique, but your situation is not. Um, and, and here's the problem with this, because people think, you know, you don't understand, like, I just went through this horrible time, and, and yes, I know that that's horrible, but at some point in life, somebody has also faced something very similar. And when we say my situation is unique, nobody else has faced this, essentially what we say is nobody can help me with my situation. And it really is just a lie we tell ourselves so we can go around what everybody else says, the wise counsel that somebody gives us, the wise advice somebody shares. Why? Because as long as we can say, no, that works for other people, but not for me because I'm unique. My situation is unique. Really, it's just a way to say, I'm going to go around your advice so I can keep doing what I want to do because it feels better. And then we get to the end and we're like, why do I have the same results? Because you keep thinking you're unique, but your situation is unique, but it's not. And you avoid asking others who have gone through that situation for help because you think they can't help you because your situation is unique. But the truth is, you're unique. There's things about you and your story that it might not be exactly the same, but your situation is not. There's only a few situations that people go through over, that, that have gone through over history, and we can learn from others. In fact, if you're in one of those situations where you say, you don't understand, my pastor is so horrible, yes, I get that. Maybe it's true, but some of the people that have been used the greatest in our world have had some of the worst past, and I guarantee a lot of them are probably worse than yours. And if you begin to read, begin to study, begin to search out, how can I overcome these situations, these circumstances, you'll find answers that will help you to realize, okay, there's some unique things about me in this, but my situation is really not all that unique. And so then we begin to, to look for, for ways to be able to move around that. So instead of saying, man, my situation is unique, you need to say, how, how can I learn from this? Well, who, can I, who can I learn from? And what I love about groups a lot of times, when you're in a group with somebody, you take off that mask, somebody else says, oh, yeah, I was there at one time too. Really? I thought I was the only one. No, no, we've been there too. We understand that. There's hurt. There's pain. But we can help you through that. We can, we can find freedom. We can move on to the next thing. Here's the next lethal assumption. Number three is, it's not right, but it makes me happy, and God wants me to be happy, right? So, okay, I'm going to this situation, and it's not right. I know it's not right, but God wants me to be happy, right? This is going to make me happy, so I should go, go forward with it. So what you're saying is, you believe that God actually wants you to fail? Because you're starting off a situation by saying, I know it's not right. I know it's against everything that the Bible talks about, but I'm going to still do what, what I'm going to do because God wants me happy, right? So you're saying that God actually wants you to fail, and that's not true. If it's not right, here's the truth. If it's not right, things won't turn out right. So if you're starting point, and you're saying, okay, this didn't work, but this next relationship, it's going to work. And you begin to go into something knowing that it's the same repeat, it's not going to work. If it doesn't start out right, it's not going to end right. So what's the solution? You have to learn what is right in this situation. What's the right thing to do? Well, I can tell you one thing. You pause long enough to say, what was I thinking? No, really, what was I thinking? Okay, I was thinking about the emotion. I was thinking about the feeling. I was thinking about whatever. And then you say, how can I avoid? How can I learn from this? God, help me to take off the old so I could put on the new, so I could walk into a better future. So if it's not right, things won't turn out right. I know it's not right, but that's what people tend to say. I know it's not right, but I shouldn't be doing this, but, well, you're just setting yourself up for a repeat or even in some many cases a worse outcome than the previous one. The next lethal assumption is this, that people believe, if only I had blank, then I would be satisfied. If only I had blank, then I would, my life would really be satisfied, right? If I only had a husband, if I only had a car, if I only had a job, if I only had whatever, I mean, if, if I only drove that, if I only owned this, if only she or he would look at me and talk to me, if, if only this, you know, 
there's this one thing, but the truth is we, we, we're never satisfied. Because here's the truth. Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. So you have to learn about life. There's appetites that we have that are never fully and, and, and completely satisfied in our life. There's more of it. You buy that pair of shoes, like, man, if I just had a pair of shoes, my life would be so much better. And then what do you know? Before you know it, you're going for the next pair of shoes, right? You get that first tattoo, and you're like, man, my life's going to be better if I just had that one tattoo. And then what happens? How many just get one tattoo, right? Nobody. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like nobody gets one tattoo. You want more and more because whatever, you're a glutton for punishment. You want more pain or something. And you just keep going because you want more and more because nobody wants – we're never fully satisfied. Our appetites aren't. When it comes to food, same thing. Uh, when it comes to money – we're not. It keeps going on and on. Cause people say that. You know, if I only had more money, then I'd be satisfied. And they ask the person, you know, how much more money would you need to be satisfied? They said just a little more. Okay, so they changed the question. What do you think, how much money do you think a rich person makes? And a person that was at 40000 said like 60000 And they asked the $60,000 person that made 6000 every year, what, 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 who do you consider rich? And they would say 80000 100000 And they asked the 100,000 100, people that made $100,000 a year, how, how much do you think is, is rich? And they said 200000 and they kept going on and on, and, and essentially what, what happened was nobody thought they were rich. Everybody thought it was going to be – they had a little bit more to feel like they are rich and be satisfied. Cause, why? Because appetites are never finally and fully satisfied. We always want more. And if you learn this, you'll actually begin to stop chasing the wrong things, and you'll begin to realize, okay, there has to be something more to life than just possessions, just things, just people that, 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 that I use for, 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 to feel better. And when you figure that out – all those things that come your way, they're actually a blessing and not a curse. And so the more money you get is actually a blessing because you can bless and use, use it to help build the kingdom of God and do good around the world because it's not going to own you. You'll own it. You'll control it. It won't control you because they understand appetites are never fully satisfied. So I have to be careful with what I'm saying only if I had that, if only the next thing. Because little by little, we, we begin to put our, our hopes on those things and then they never satisfy us. So we go on to the next thing. And before you know it, you're chasing one thing after the other to, to, to fill something in your life that it'll never be able to fill. And really, it's not, it's not a what I can have thing. It's, it's something in your heart is not right. And God is saying, if you will take off the old, take time to put on the new, you'll let me transform the way you think. You'll begin to see, hey, your heart is set on the wrong things. And if your heart gets set on the right things, you'll begin to find satisfaction and contentment and joy in the middle of it. This is why Paul can say, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have nothing. And I can tell you the, the secret. I'm content. Why? Because his heart was right. He could, could be content in prison. He could be content eating a, a five-course meal. He could be content on a ship or traveling across or, or shipwrecked in the sea about to die. And he says, I, I could be content in these situations because I know life is not just about me. My heart is right. And if we'll be those people that say, okay, I have to be aware of this. So that's the, the fourth one. The fifth legal assumption is this. I owe is better than I want. And this is one of the ones that gets a lot of us so bad in, the, in America. In fact, our country is built around this, and it's not very good. It's one of those things I think that is um, very dangerous for our country is because we think I owe is better than I want. But the truth is this. It's better to want than to owe. It's better to want than to owe. And so if we get into debt, we get into these situations in our life because we, we can't wait. And the problem is we can't wait. We, we can't de delay our, our, our gratification for a later time in the future. So we want it now. So what we do is we borrow from the future so we can have it now. But when we get to the future, there's no more of what we were hoping to have because we've taken it all. And so we borrow from the future to get what we want now, not knowing that we're actually going to lose. And here's the thing. 
marketers and businesses, they spend millions and millions of dollars to trick us to think it's better to owe than to, 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 than to want. Like it's better just to have it. Just put it on the credit card. Just, just go for it and get it. And the truth is it's not. It's better to want than to owe. And if you, and if you have the right heart, like I'm saying, you'll at some point say, okay, God, I really want this, but is it something of you? And a lot of times God says, man, I, that's fine. Have it, but do it in the right season, the right time. Don't just jump in to the next season and get more, more of what you had before. So if you're in, in, a, in a, a transition, don't just buy the next car. Don't go to the next house. Pause and say, what was I thinking here so I can avoid repeating some of that in the future? Because it's better to want than to owe. It's better to say, okay, I really want this, but I can, I can tell myself to wait. It's what we teach kids, right? Just just wait. You can have candy after the, the good food. You can have the, the sweet stuff after you've taken care of the other things. But our culture says, no, have the candy now. No, no problems. And then we get cavities, and then we're mad at everybody because we have cavities because they told us, it's okay, just do that. Go for it. Do whatever you want. It's going to be okay. And what happens, we buy into the now, into the immediate, and we get sucked into everything the banks wants us to get sucked into so that they can make all the money off of us, and they take from us our future. And before we know it, we bought in this lie that, man, it's better to have it now than to, to, to wait. No, it's better to wait. So um, I, that felt good, right? I was like, all right, that's so helpful right there. All right, number six. I know that, that that's tough. Um, the secret is safe with me. My secret is safe with me. See, when people move from one situation to the next and, and they don't reveal the truth about everything, they go from one relationship to the next and they're carrying this baggage, like, like we talked about a little about two weeks ago, and they don't deal with it, they're just taking that into the future. They're smuggling it into the future with them. And at some point, really the truth is your secret's not safe. Because secrets, they always seep. Secrets always seep, and they always seep at the wrong time. Right? So it always comes out like, oh, I wish that one to come out. Uh, we see this in the political arena. It's, you know, it's coming up soon. It's like all of a sudden now all these little things that nobody thought was, was, was nobody knew about, all of a sudden they start coming up. They're like, oh, wow, I didn't know people were going to find out about that. They always seep. Secrets always seep, and your secret is not safe because at some point it's going to come out. And it's going to come out at the worst time. And you're like, I, thought, I thought they would never find out about that. no. It's going to come out. So the way to deal with it is before you put on the new, you take off the old and you say, okay, I have to be honest about this. And it's going to be hard because when we have to talk to people about something that we didn't do right, it, that, with the let our pride down, it takes humility. Sometimes it takes restitution. We broke laws. We've broken rules. We have to say, God, forgive me. Fix me. Help me to do this better. And, 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 but when we take that off, we can move into freedom. When we deal with it, you eventually rebuild. It, it'll work. But it takes time. And so... Your secrets are always going to see it. Next one, number number seven. Um, sex will solve it. Uh, sex will solve it. The truth is, sex will not solve it. It'll only complicate it. Uh, one of the things that I tell uh, couples when when um, I'm counseling for for marriage is I give them usually if if they've already have a, um, an intimate relationship, a physical relationship, I tell them you have two options: be celibate until your wedding day, or let's go let's go get your wedding certificate, do a small ceremony so we make this right between you and God. Um, because sex doesn't solve it, it only complicates it. Because here's what happens. When we have uh, an intimate relationship with another person, it's not just a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's beyond just the physical. In our culture, this goes against everything. So I talked about the stream, right? Stream of culture, when it comes to this part of our, of our world, they're, they're saying jump in, no worries, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to be bad. And it's totally contrary to what God says. God says, no, it's, it's not going to solve it. It's only going to complicate it. It doesn't fix it. It only makes it harder. And this is why I tell couples that. I say, as long as you are having an intimate relationship with somebody, you're blind to the truth of who they really are. And if you're not married to them, you're, you're really never going to be able to see that until at some point down the road where you're like, who is this person? 
Well, because you just see them as you want them to see them. You see them as you feel for them because there's a, there's a connection there, a very deep connection. And here's the thing. Sex is God's idea. He created it. It's a good thing. You know, God wasn't like, hey, what are you guys doing in the bushes down there? Cut it out. No, cut that out. Right? He saw Adam and Eve. He wasn't like, oh, my goodness, angels, cover your eyes. No. It's like God said, I'm going to create something very beautiful for humans. It's going to be an amazing thing. And then he says, in the context, if you use it in the context that I created it for, it's going to be an amazing thing, a wonderful thing. But when you use it outside of the context, it's going to lead to death in relationships, in our bodies. It's going to lead to death in all kinds of ways in our society. Because you have to figure this out. So it doesn't solve it. It actually complicates things in life. So if one person goes from one relationship to the next relationship, and this is all about just, hey, I'm going to give myself to everybody, you only complicate your life because you're not there's something deeper inside of you that you're saying, I want somebody to fulfill something in me, so I'm going to give the most personal parts of myself to others. And, and, and they're hoping that person is going to fulfill their deepest needs, and somebody never can. My wife cannot fill my deepest needs. I, she, she's not my source. So my heart has to be right and say, I can't put something that's unrealistic on my wife to do for me that she can never do. And the same for her. I can't, I, she can't put those uh, expectations on me. Why? Because there's something that God wired in us that says there's something more than just this life. There's something more than just the appetites and the pleasures that we have. And it goes beyond that. And when you have a healthy heart and healthy relationships, you don't look for others to give you fulfillment and find um, uh, peace in, those, in, in that relationship. You find it outside of that. And then your relationships are healthy and they're strong and they're good because you're not relying on that person to do something they never can. So instead of going from the next one to the next one, you have to say, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was I, what was I thinking? And in the past, I made those decisions. What was I thinking? Well, you weren't. You were feeling. You were hoping. You were desiring. But you a lot of times weren't thinking. We weren't thinking. So God says, if, Paul says, if, you will, if you'll stop, if you renew your mind, if you'll pause long enough to say, all right, let me take off the old so I can put on the new, so I can go to this next season knowing that it's going to be better because I'm going to take time to guarantee that it's going to be better than last time. So here's, here's the thing. Don't conform, but be transformed. Don't conform. Don't just go with the flow, but say, God, help me to see life differently. How can I be transformed? So here's the thing. Next time, it can be better than last time. Not because you hope for it to be. Not because you tell everybody it's going to be. Not because you're, you're, you're saying it's going to be. It's only going to be better next time if you renew your mind and you begin to think differently. And you begin to say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to resolve to not jump into the next thing before I figure out exactly why that didn't work in the first place. To renew your thinking. And what happens is if we do this, God begins to move in our life and help us to, to see that he has better plans for us because we begin to take off the old so we can put on the new. So here's my challenge for today. All right, don't move forward until you have taken off the old before you put on the new. So if you're in a transition time, relationship, don't go into the next relationship so you've taken enough time to say, I'm going to take off the old so I can go into the new. And sometimes you need people in your life to say, no, you're still not ready. You're still not ready. I love meeting with people and talking to them and say, hey, but if you just do this, you'll, 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 you'll figure it out. And the problem is too many people are in too, too much of a rush because they think time is against me. Time is my enemy. I need to move fast. No, you need to slow down. You need to let time reveal what it needs to reveal in you so you can move into the future. Because healthy people, they do healthy things. They own it. And then they rethink it so they can move into a better future. Um, do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today? I know today was a little bit of a heavier message because I'm, I'm addressing some, 
some um, assumptions that we walk with in, in life that are not good for us. And um, I pray that as, as I share these things, your heart would, would actually stay open enough to say, okay, he, he pointed something in my life that, that, that kind of hurts, but, man, I, I need to hear this. Um, and, and for you, I, I pray that you would take enough time today just to pause and stop and say, all right, what was I thinking in this situation? How can I make next time better? God, help me. Uh, and then for others in this room, there's people that uh, you're, you're, you're far from God. Um, you come today, you're hoping for something different. It's not an accident that you're, you're here today. It's, it's uh, God's plan, his purpose. And you're here today and you, you need a new start. See, one of the things I love about God, he says, if, you will, if you'll confess your part, your past, your sin, I'll give you a new start. I'll give you, I'll give you a, f- a future. He says, see, I, I give grace generally, g- generously. He gives grace generously to us because those that humble themselves, he's there to, to embrace us and help us. And today, some, some of you in this room, and you need a new start. And you, today you need to say, God, I want to invite you into my life. God, I need you to help me to make next time better than last time. And today I want to invite you to lead me on this journey. And so if you're here today, and that's you, you've been going the wrong direction, today you're saying, I'm going to go God's direction. I'm going to change my, my course of, of, of action and direction. I'd love to lead you in a prayer, just a simple prayer of invitation to God, a relationship of, an invitation of relationship with him, saying, God, I need your help. I want a relationship with you. I'm not going to make you come to the front, just where you're at. I'm going to say a prayer with you in your seat. But let me know you're here. Would you do If you're here, would, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. And I need God to come into my life. I need him to change some things. I need, I need his help. I need a relationship with him. Awesome. Anybody else? It's me. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Uh, if you're a Christ follower, would you pray this prayer with us? We're not praying alone. And say, God, today I invite you to my life. Help me to have a fresh start, a new start. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my past. Lead me in a new direction. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Die on that cross for me so I could have life. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we, can we celebrate those that, that prayed that prayer today?